How would it feel to be able to respond to all the things that life throws at you instead of constantly reacting? That's what I'm talking about today on the podcast. We're continuing on with the Deep Level Self-Care series, and we're talking about managing your emotions. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Soul Aligned Self-Care Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Stinson, and we will be talking all about deep level self-care practices to help you have success in both your personal and professional life by reducing stress and anxiety and overwhelm, improving your mindset and creating a strong, loving connection with yourself. I'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Soul Aligned Self-Care Podcast. Today we are continuing on with the Deep Level Self-Care Series, and we're talking about managing your emotions. So it's about learning how to respond to difficult emotions when they come into your life instead of constantly reacting to them. But before I get started, I just wanted to share with you, I was contemplating on not recording this live um, on video For those of you who are listening, I always record this on video and you could watch it over on my YouTube channel because I've been having allergic reactions and my lips have been like swelling up and they look pretty normal right now, but I can't like fully smile. So my mouth looks weird. And if you don't know me very well, you probably won't notice it too much. But if you, if it seems like I'm not genuinely smiling, it's just because I can't, I can't like, this is my smile. That's it. That's all I got. So (laughs) it's really hard. Um, Anyway, I decided to just kind of like look past that and do it because I love um, sharing these with you on YouTube. And so I'm just going to get right into it. Let's get started. So um, as I said, I'm talking about managing your emotions and it's about learning how to be able to respond to difficult emotions or situations when they come into your life instead of constantly reacting, which is what I used to do all the time for most of my life was um, constantly react and always be in a state of stress or in a state of fight or flight. And so once I learned how to manage my emotions better, then I learned how to respond. It's about learning how to love yourself and have the respect for yourself to learn how to respond so that you can keep yourself out of a state of fight or flight, right? And keep yourself in what they call rest and digest, or I, so I call it calm and confident, right? Just sounds better to me. So um, I'm also going to share with you during uh, today's podcast on how I got rid of my panic attacks. Um, they're pretty much completely gone. I haven't had a panic attack in a long time, although I still avoid certain situations just out of sheer fear, but I'll share that with you also. So I have to say that learning how to manage my emotions was probably, I always say that boundaries, setting boundaries and maintaining boundaries is like the foundation of all deep level self-care. And I truly do believe that because without that foundation, nothing else really sticks for very long. It doesn't really protect your energy or protect your yourself. Um, so I feel that this is probably like the second best lesson that I learned for myself and, and learning to implement this with ease and naturally now it just happens naturally for me. It was a practice that I had to do at first, but now it just happens naturally. Um, 
I think it's the one thing that really kept me out of that state of fight or flight. And I'm not saying I never go into fight or flight and I'm always in a state of calm. That's not true. I'm not saying I perfected this, but I got it down pretty good. I'm a lot better than I used to be. Right. So um, learning how to like experience the emotions when they come into your life and then to be able to like move through them. Right. And then be able to like release them is, is really, that's, it's like the key. That's the process right there because we can't like not experience the emotions. We can't just like stuff them down and pretend they're not there because they're always going to come back up. So it's about experiencing them and being able to learn from them and then being able to learn how to comfort yourself and move through them and then release them. So, um, the first part of this I learned was that I had to know what my tendencies were. And so what I mean by that is that I know that first, I'm the type of person that's just overly, I'm just constantly stressed. I get stressed very easy. I'm also the type of person who tends to like overwork and do too much and just keep going and going and going and going. Um, and I don't even realize what I'm in a state of exhaustion, right? So that's that's one of my tendencies, right? And then the second tendency I have is to be able to like absorb the emotions of another person that I'm with. And so if like another person is stressed out or anxious or sad or whatever they might be, I tend to just like absorb those instantaneously. And I used to just not be able to release that. I used to just absorb everything, which is exhausting. It's very exhausting. And so uh, these are my tendencies and I know these are my tendencies, but the, the biggest lesson in this is that I also learned that these are also my superpowers because the fact that I tend to over the work and the, the fact that I'm driven um, helps me have a lot of success. It helps me complete things really fast, right? And just being aware of this and knowing this about myself, I know that I have to check in with myself on a regular basis, even daily to see what do I need? Do I need to rest? And then if I do need to rest, to be able to sit still, which is really hard for me to have a day where I sit still and I do nothing, really hard. So, but this is a superpower because I get shit done. I do, right? And then the second thing, the absorbing people's emotions used to be kind of bad because it used to drain me. But then I learned, this is what helps me connect with people. This is what helps me really, really have empathy for other people and to see things from another person's perspective and to like take a step back. And it helps me have a deeper connection with people. And so it helps me be a better coach. It helps me be a better mom. It helps me be a better friend. And so I view this as a superpower, but I have to be aware of this and be able to help myself move through these emotions when I absorb them from these other people and be able to release them and not take them on as my own in my everyday life, right? And so these are my tendencies. So you need to ask yourself, what are my tendencies? So what do you tend to do? Are you Do you have the tendency to be anxious or stressed like more than other people? And do you judge yourself for that? Do you like look at these things as like negative things about yourself? Because um, I challenge you to look at it and see how it serves you because it, it it does serve you in some way, shape or form, right? And not to look at this as a negative and learn to look at it as it's you and it's a part of you and it's it's a part of your superpower. So find the superpower within your tendencies, but know what they are so that you know how you can take care of yourself at a deeper level. I feel like I'm too close to my camera. I'm just going to move this back a little bit. Sorry about that. 
Um, so after you find out what your tendencies are, the next thing that I would have you do, and I do this with a lot of my clients, is ask yourself, um, like, how much do you love yourself and how much self-respect do you have for yourself? Because this is this is the next step in moving forward in learning how to manage these emotions. Because this is about having the love and care for yourself and the respect to be able to learn how to manage these emotions. Because it takes some time and patience to learn these things about yourself. It takes time and patience to learn what your tendencies are. And then it takes time and patience to figure out how you're going to move through these things. And I'm going to get into that and I'm going to share what works for me, right? But I have to emphasize that what works for me is not going to work for everybody. It's just, it's the same thing as like a, a diet, you know? So everybody needs a different type of diet. They need to eat different things in their life in order to keep themselves healthy because everybody's body's different. Everybody has different things they're dealing with. And so there's not one diet that serves everyone that keeps everybody healthy, right? And so this is the same thing. You know, you're going to look at the different ways that you handle maybe stress, anxiety, fear, sadness, right? And how what's going to help you move through these emotions is going to be different than what helps me. But I'm going to share mine with you in order to like give you some examples to get you started, okay? So um, when something comes up, like like a, a motion comes into your life and it's very difficult for you, maybe you're very angry, maybe you're very anxious. I want you to ask yourself, how can I move through this? How can I handle this with love and respect for myself? So it's like being gentle with yourself and not reacting to it. Because as soon as you start reacting to something, like say you're very, very angry and you automatically start yelling at another person just out of that anger, but then later on you feel bad about it, right? So this is about having the love and respect for yourself and be able to move through this emotion that where it's going to feel good for you, right? And it takes so much patience to, to move through this. So I'm going to share with you, like I said, what works for me. And I'm going to start with all the different modalities that I use in my life and some of them that I tried, but maybe didn't work for me or I just didn't resonate with me. Um, and then you could use these as a starting point to create what I call a toolbox for yourself, right? And so one of the things I noticed first was that when I was very, very angry, one of the best things that I could do was go for a run. Now I'm a runner and I love running. And I understand that there's a lot of people out there that don't like running and people run for different reasons. Like I know people that find it very meditative, like it's very relaxing to them. Um, running for me, I do like running and sometimes I run for no reason at all. But when I'm angry, running really helps me kind of release that energy so that I can kind of move through it better, right? And so I always say and joke around, like, if you ever see me go for like a 10 mile run, then, you know, I'm really pissed off about something. Right. Um, but sometimes I, I just run to run. Now, if I'm really, really stressed out, I learned that running doesn't really help me as much because it almost adds to my stress because it's stressing my body. Right. Um, it's just a different type of energy. And so when I'm really, really, really stressed, going for a run really isn't going to serve me. Maybe going for a walk in nature would help. Um, sometimes I just need to do some yoga. Yoga is very helpful to me. The, the most 
powerful thing that has worked for me personally is breath work and not like this long breath work, like doing deep breathing exercises for like an hour. What really helps is like these short spurts of deep breathing exercises. Some I've tried everything. I've tried, um, I'm trying to think of some of the names of the things I've tried and I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, box breathing is one that works really good for me. Um, and you could look that up. Uh, if you Google that, you could find a definition for that very quick and easily. But you could go right online and find many, many, many free videos on breath work on YouTube, right? So there's many things that you could turn to. But one of the reasons why breath work works is because I know in my mind that scientifically this is proven to work, right? And sometimes that's the, just the way my brain works. I want to know why this works. I want I don't want someone to tell me that it works. I want to know why it works in my body. And so when you take deep breaths and you expand your diaphragm, you stimulate your vagus nerve, and that's what helps you get out of fight or flight and into what they call rest and digest or what I call calm and confident, right? And so that's why breath work works. And so knowing that in the back of my head, it just strengthens my belief in it as a practice. And so this has really had the biggest effect on stress relief for me and anxiety relief. And it's actually helped. It's like the number one thing that helped me lower my blood pressure. Um, those of you who know me that have been listening to me for a while know I had like a little scare. I'm trying to remember what it was. It was right at the beginning of the year, actually. I was going through some stuff in my life and my blood pressure skyrocketed and they did all these tests on me. And I'm kind of glad they did all these tests because I learned that I'm very healthy and there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with my heart. Um, but I learned it was all from stress and anxiety. And I was like, you know, this this keeps popping up in my life. It keeps showing up and I have to keep learning how to... Um, move through my emotions with the tendencies that I have. That's what I was talking about at the beginning. So breath work is one of the things that helped me get off blood pressure medicine completely, right? So I found a lot of power in the breath work. Now, as far as anxiety, anxiety was a bunch of different things. So anxiety, uh, breath work helped with anxiety, meditation helped with anxiety, yoga helped with anxiety, um, even some movement things um, like dancing or shaking. So I, I find like the dancing and the shaking to be the same thing, but it's about um, for the, about the length of a song or maybe a little bit longer, like five minutes, either dancing and moving your body. So you're just releasing all that energy from your body, that anxious energy or just shaking. So to me, like you can imagine why shaking would be very similar to dancing. So you're just shaking your legs and your arms and your body for, you know, five minutes or so. Right. And this is just about releasing that anxiety from your body that works for me. Um, so that's probably one of the weirder ones when I try to get my clients to do the shaking thing. Sometimes they can't really wrap their head around it because it seems really weird. So if I just say dance to your favorite song, for the full length of your favorite song, maybe do it twice, then that's a lot easier for them to like embrace, if that makes sense. Now, sadness is completely different. So when something sad happens in my life, I just want to be sad. I just want to embrace the sadness, right? So sometimes I want to cry, like it helps me move through it. So it's like watching a sad movie, listening to sad songs, 
wallowing in my sadness for an hour or so. Now I used to fight it. I used to be like, well, I need to be positive. I need to cheer myself up. So I would fight it. And then the sadness would last longer because I was just kind of like fighting against it. But like giving into the sadness actually helped me move through it a lot quicker. So I used to say, I used to call it letting myself have my pity party. And so when something happened and I was just like so sad and so upset about it, I was like, all right, I'm going to give myself a day. Right. And it started like that. I was like, I'm just going to allow myself to just wallow in the self-pity for a day. Right. And so I did that and I just moved through it so quick like that. And so that was my rule from that point forward, allow myself the pity party day. Right. But then it got, I got bored with that because I moved through it so quickly that now it's just like, I need like an hour, right? I need an hour or two, depending on the situation, obviously, right? So for more stressful situations, I may need longer. But now sometimes when I'm struck with something that really shoots me down, that really makes me sad or upset, I allow myself immediately to cry and fuss about it and just experience it fully because it helps me move through it so quickly. Now I get bored with staying in the pity party and I want to move out of it and move on. Right. So that was, um, that was a more recent, like something more recently I discovered about myself within like maybe the past five years or so. And it's been, um, magical. So I learn more about myself every, as the years go by, I continuously learn different ways of dealing with these emotions. And that's why I said at the beginning of the podcast that it takes patience because it's really about getting to know yourself and and learning how to help yourself move through these emotions. And I'm just going to assume that this is going to change over time as you change and evolve over time. Okay. Um, Now, so some of the modalities I talked about here were breath work, meditation, tapping. Oh, I didn't talk about tapping. EFT tapping, emotional freedom technique. Uh, there's a lot. Of, if you don't know what that is, look it up. Um, it's absolutely amazing. And I love using this. This works for me um, with like stress and anxiety. It doesn't work when I'm sad or upset, right? I know this works really well for PTSD Um people who are affected by PTSD. And I know it's used a lot for that. So like, maybe that makes sense why it works for me with stress and anxiety. Um, This is another thing that you can go onto YouTube and find a bunch of free content and test it out and see if you like it. But I find it to be very effective for stress and anxiety. So breath work, meditation, EFT tapping, yoga, running, dancing, shaking, and walking in nature, right? So that was the first thing I talked about when I said sometimes, like if I'm really stressed, a run isn't going to really help me. That'll stress me out more. A walk in nature is always good for me. Those of you who know me uh, on a personal level know that when the weather is nice, I am. I just want to be outside all day long, all day long. When it's snowy and cold, I have a different feelings about it. I have mixed feelings about being outside, so... <laughs> And that gets worse as I get older. I have less patience for really cold weather now as I get older. Um, Now I want to share with you my panic attacks. So this started happening, the panic attacks, I never had problem. I've always been scared of heights, but I've never had panic attacks and I've never really had any problems driving even over bridges or anything like that. I loved driving and 
um, I just never had any problem driving anywhere. And I have three children. They all live, they live all over the place, right? So I have to travel to get to my kids. And one of the ways I do that is driving. Like I'm constantly driving and go spend time with them. And so when this happened, it was when my son, my middle child went to college. And I remember I dropped him off at college. And so I probably did have a lot of anxiety about that. I don't know what triggered this, to be honest with you, but I think it was just an overload of anxiety in my life. And so both of my youngest children were going to college that year. My oldest daughter already was um, in college and had finished college actually um, when they went to college. And so they, I dropped my son off and I was driving home and I had to go across this horrendous bridge. Now, it's a bridge when you're going from Providence, Rhode Island back to New York and you're driving through like the Albany area. So it's not just a normal bridge. It's a horrible bridge. And they're doing like construction on it. So it's really open. It almost feels like it has no sides, right? And it's still horrible. Even my son doesn't like to drive over it. And I'm kind of glad that he lives in New York now and not in Providence, although I love Providence, but um, I don't like miss going over that bridge. So anyway, I'm driving over that bridge on the way home and my youngest daughter is in the car with me. And that was when I had my first panic attack. And it was terrifying because I was driving and it was terrifying because I was in a car with my child, right? And so my heart started pounding. My I felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, my hands and my arms started to go numb and tingly along with like the sides of my face and like even like right here on my chest. It was really, really weird. It was nothing I ever experienced. And I thought maybe I was having like another stroke or something, right? I didn't feel particularly stressed out for any reason. I didn't like the way the bridge felt. It was under construction. It was way too open, but I was driving through it and I didn't feel like anything was wrong. It just happened. So for those of you who have had like a panic attack in their life at, at some point, you know that it can be very scary. And I didn't, panic attack was not the first thing that I thought was happening. And so um, I obviously thought it was some kind of a health emergency. And my first thought was, I just want to get over the bridge and safely pull over before I drive off the bridge and kill both me and my daughter. And so I was terrified. And before I even got over the bridge, the panic attack stopped, right? And so I thought, God, that was weird. And then I just kind of wrote it off. But then it started happening over and over again. And I noticed that it was always when I was up high, but not just high, it was like wide open spaces. So it took me a while to learn what the trigger was because there were times when I would be driving on roads and I'd be up really high, but it wouldn't be open. Like there'd be trees and stuff and I was fine. So I was like, I didn't really understand it completely. Now I tried everything. So breath work was one of the first things I tried. Um, another thing was like, okay, distract yourself, have all these distractions ready. So like put a song on, have a book on, uh, talk on the phone with a friend, be on the phone. If you know, you're going to hit like a, a stressful or a scary situation, be on the phone with somebody and talk to them as a distraction. Um, and I'll never forget this one time I was driving from Asheville back to Charlotte in North Carolina. So you're, you're driving along the Blue Ridge mountains and there's this really, this is like a mile long. It's not too far. You're driving on the side of this mountain. And let me tell you, the views are absolutely freaking gorgeous, but it's terrifying for me, like, ter like terror, 
terror and I can't drive fast and everyone's driving up my ass because I'm driving too slow and they're beeping at me and I'm like, ah, you know? And so I was visiting a cousin in Asheville and our plan was, I told him how scary this was for me. And so his wife was like, just call me and we'll talk on the phone. And I was like, okay, I'll be able to do this. And so I remember calling her, but then like, right when I hit that spot, I lost service <laughs> and uh, I did not have a panic attack, but I was very scared. I got through it. Right. So I don't always have a panic attack, but that's what I was experiencing at the time. And so I tried all these things and nothing was really working for me. And I started being afraid to just drive in general with the fear of just of the panic attack itself, right? Because the scariest part of the panic attack was my hands going numb. And I thought, what happens if they go completely numb and I can't drive, right? So the panic began before I even felt panic because I was just afraid I was gonna have a panic attack. So I was having a panic attack about having a panic attack. It was ridiculous. So I started to like not drive. And then I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't live like this. There's no way I'm not gonna visit my kids. I have to figure this out. So I started to do all this research and try all these different things. And so I came across this one thing where it was like, I, you have to kind of imagine that you have your hero with you, like somebody who you admire, who you think is the strongest person. And, and they're sitting next to you in the car and they're supporting you and they're doing all these things and you feel safe because you're with them. So it has to be someone that you feel safe with. And I just hadn't, I just couldn't come up with someone in my life. I had such a problem with this. Um, there were people I admire, but like, I didn't feel, it wasn't like some of them I just didn't even know. It was just a person I admired. And it wasn't like they made me feel safe. I had no one that really made me feel safe, right? And so I really struggled with this. And I remember the first person that I came up with was um, the Williams sister, because I always thought that they were such badasses that, you know, the tennis players, but I had like no connection to them whatsoever. And I tried to envision that and it was just hilarious. And so it didn't work for me. And then another part of this exercise was for people that, um, are religious, like they have some kind of a faith and they were like, have your guardian angel sit next to me, or maybe an archangel that's going to protect you. And I was like, this does not resonate with me at all. I'm not religious. And, um, I don't mean any disrespect to anyone who is religious, but it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. It's just, I'm just not even a little bit religious. And so I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. So then the, the first thought that came into my mind was the movie, um, when they said Archangel, was the movie Michael with Tr John Travolta. And I thought, well, that movie's hilarious. And if anybody, if you haven't seen that movie, now you have to go watch the movie Michael, right? Because it's so funny. And the best part about John Travolta's character is that he's an archangel and he has, he has these big gigantic wings that he walks around. And, you know, John Travolta is a pretty, he's a pretty big guy. So it was... Um, um, pretty impressive, the wings that he had. I think Andy McDowell was in that movie too. Such a great movie. But anyway, he's completely inappropriate. Like I'm pretty sure he smokes and he's, he, the whole movie, like he smells like cookies and he attracts women and he's just like a little bit inappropriate the whole movie. And so I thought it was a hilarious char character. So I decided that I was going to have that archangel sit, sit next to me because that resonated with me more than any type of religion. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to have archangel Michael 
um, AKA John Travolta sit next to me in my car and protect me when I'm driving. And so not that John Travolta makes me feel like incredibly safe in any way, shape or form, but I think what it was is it was so hilarious and funny that it distracted me long enough to kind of move through the anxiety. And so it freaking worked, right? And I was like, out of all the things that worked, this is the one thing that worked. And to this day, if I ever come up on a situation where I feel like I have that little anxiety and it always starts as like butterflies in my stomach, right? And so anytime I feel that, I'm like, okay, like either I'm really excited about something or something's scaring me right now. And that's how it always starts in your body. Anxiety always starts in the body and then it moves to the mind, right? And so um, whenever I feel that, I'm always like, okay, Michael, <laughs> shotgun, you know? And so um, that's what worked for me. Now, the reason I share this story, um, because I kind of find it a little embarrassing, uh, but I, I wanted to share it with you guys because I want it to make you realize that you have to be open to trying different things, even if you think they might not work. Right. So I wasn't religious. I didn't really resonate with having like some kind of role model sit next to me in the car, but I was still going to willing to try it somehow. Right. And I got, and it was the one thing that worked. The thing that I thought would work the least was the thing that worked. And so I want you to always be open to things trying new things, you know, like, like I talked about the shaking, you know, shaking it out, you know, shaking out the anxiety. Um, a lot of people aren't open to that, but if I present it as dancing to your favorite song, then they're open to that. So it's about being open to trying the different modalities. I tried Qigong. I tried, um, I read all different types of energy healing books and, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things I used, but one of the things I noticed when I looked at Qigong and energy healing and yoga was they were all connected. They had all these similar movements that did similar things. And so I, I resonated mostly with yoga. So I stuck with yoga, like Qigong, I would get bored when I was doing Qigong, but yoga really resonated with me because um, I like really working my body hard sometimes, but then sometimes I like just being able to maybe do some yin yoga and relax, right? Yes, yin yoga is relaxing for me. I know it's not for everybody, but I really, it helps me really settle my nervous system down. So I hope this was helpful. And if you're having panic attacks, I want you everybody's different. Like, so if you, if you're having panic attacks and nothing is working for you, be willing to try new things, do some research and try everything. The most recent thing I heard, um, about stopping a panic attack in its tracks was eating a warhead, right? Because when you, um, create another emergency in your nervous system and your body, it's going to distract you from the last emergency. And it makes sense. Really. You're interrupting, you're interrupting, the movement of the anxiety that starts in your body to have it start that I, what I call an anxiety loop where it goes to the brain and back to the body, back to the brain, back to the body. You keep thinking, you keep moving into the anxiety. So eating the warhead actually stops that, that cycle. And so I can see that actually working. I haven't tried it. I hate sour stuff. Um, but uh, next time I go on a road trip, I might bring something sour like that on my road trip <laughs> might make me crash, but um, might save me from a panic attack. Anyway, so that's the message for you guys to stay open to trying new things. And so 
the whole purpose of this episode when I'm talking about managing your emotions is to help inspire you to create your own toolkit. So you're going to look at these different emotions. So like I said, the first step is to know your tendencies. So what's your tendency? Do you have the tendency to be really relaxed or do you have the tendency to be really anxious like me? Or do you get stressed really easy? Are you a very empathetic person or are you an, do you consider yourself like an empath where you you can feel the energy in the room, you feel the energy of the people around you and you absorb that. So what are your tendencies and learn what they are and figure out why they're your superpowers, right? Then the second thing is to ask yourself when you're responding, when these difficult emotions come into your life, sadness, anger, anxiety, stress, fear, when they come into your life, be aware, right? And then ask yourself, how can I respond with self-love, kindness, and respect for myself? How can I respond to this? Ask yourself that question and then move into the different modalities that I talked about today or things. You might have something that already works for you. And you're like, yeah, when I'm sad, this is what I do. Like I watch sad movies and drink hot cocoa and cuddle with my dog. And I do that for one day and then I'm fine, right? So you might already have something in your toolbox. Be aware of it and use it, right? So when you feel like stress, anger, uh, anxiety, fear, sadness come into your life, ask yourself those questions, get to know yourself first, and then ask, how can I respond with self-love and respect? And then um, keep track of what works for you in those different situations. You don't, don't necessarily have to like write down, you know, like write a physical toolbox list. Although if that helps you wrap your head around it, then do it, like journal it out. Say, when I'm sad, I'm going to try this. When I'm stressed, I'm going to try this. Maybe you want to try everything that's worked for me and see if it works for you. Right. Um, and then keep notes. Like I said, it takes patience. So I hope that this inspires you to create your own toolbox and have the self-love and respect that you deserve to have for yourself so that you can respond to life and not constantly react to it, right? Okay, I love you and I will see you next week. But before I go, I want to let you know that I told you, I think last week, that every week I'm going to have a new coupon for the Soul Aligned Self-Care Bootcamp, which is my program where I teach all of these 11 different deep level self-care practices. I go deep into them with you personally. We're starting mid-January and I'm going to walk you through each one of these inside of the bootcamp. Once, you, once you're in the bootcamp, you have lifetime access to everything in there, all the upgrades and the monthly coaching that I give to you. But in January, we're going to be going live weekly and doing the coaching. And I'm so excited about this. So this week's coupon is live. I'm going to share it with you in the show notes. It's the best one yet. And also, if you register this week, you get a surprise bonus. So if you're interested in doing this work with me on a deeper level and you want to start mid-January, sign up now and know that deep down you took care of yourself and you're going to start the new year, not in overwhelm, not in burnout, but in calm and confidence, right? So spend that time with me. Um, I'm also going to put a link so you can learn more about the bootcamp. And if you have any questions, you could email me. And that will also be in the show notes. I love you guys. And I'll see you next week. Bye.